0: To another week of the Fiber Coven podcast. We're so excited to be with each other and to be with you and talk about some yarny stuff and a little bit of witchy stuff. I'm Lauren from Valkyrie Fibers. And I'm Emily from Kitty with a Cupcake. And for news, why don't you
1: tell us where you can find us for Rhinebeck weekend? We will be at Woolen Folk. On Friday, October 14th, which is the Friday before Rhinebeck. So, if you're in town for the New York Sheep and Wool Festival, maybe come hit us up on Friday. We will be in a booth at Woolen Folk, which I am sharing with Kemper of Junk Yarn. Uh, so, Kemper is bringing a bunch of her Barbie yarns, which are gonna match the whole Yarny collection that I designed. There's a pin. There are charms. It's a fun time. Uh, Kemper is also bringing some of her popular Halloween colorways. If you want to like put together maybe like a colorwork Halloween sweater. I'm going to have some leftover advent calendars there. Lauren is going to be there with me. She is maybe bringing some special balls of the Fiber Coven specific colorway. So if you want to just like, you know, cheekily pick one of those up, you could. And I will have my whole pin collection there. And all of my stickers and all of my goodies. So come visit me. Come buy stuff. Say hello. If you say that you're a fan of the podcast, we will have Fiber Coven stickers for you. We will also be attending uh, actual Rhinebeck. And we are planning to have a uh, yarn witch meetup on the hill at Rhinebeck, which will be Saturday afternoon sometime. Exact time, TBD. But yeah, plan on coming on Saturday to hang out with us and some other yarny witches and it'll be fun stuff. So excited. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. Well, into our meaty content, you finished a something.
1: Can I see it? Yeah, I made this little caffeine cat painting.
0: It's very cute. It's a little yellow stripy cat with very wide eyes and a little purple mug of coffee and lots of coffee beans around it. And you can tell that this cat is gorked out on caffeine.
1: Yeah, he's supposed to be real strung out. It's on watercolor paper, and I used my new Posca acrylic paint markers to paint slash draw. I don't know what the correct term is when you're using paint markers. Are you drawing or painting? I think it's up for debate. So yeah, he's cute. He's a little five by five art. I am going to put him in a frame and have him. Maybe I'll bring him to Rhinebeck if there's room in my stuff. I don't know. Yay. I love it. It's great what have you been working on for knitting? Well, I've been working a lot on our evil MCAL. So I can't show you that because it's, you know, the M of MCAL. But I also worked a bunch on this sock. That is a sock. It's almost a full sock. Yeah, I really is, like the this contrast. This is the product of watching all of Sandman in the past couple of weeks. That's where this sock really got its stuff. Yes, the contrast really is what's making this sock for me. So this is a sock set. Um that Kemper of Junk Yarn dyed and it matches my um Polly Witchy Pocket pin and she is bringing this with her to uh Wool and Folk she will have the sock set in a couple different bases so if you like the sock I am making maybe pick one up and the little pink contrast just looks so good with this minty and pale pink color I love it it's the cutest sock and I'm going to wear these for Woolen Folk that is my plan yay they're very lovely. Yeah, and that's all been. I can show you because, yeah, that's that's all. That's not a mystery.
0: Hmm. I can show you the progress I've made on the things that you know I've been making. I have done a fair bit on Hat Dana number four. This is the exact same as Hat Dana number three. The one that you already made, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I can have a matching one with my very knit-worthy friend, who also is a Supernatural fan. Mm -hmm. This is a Supernatural-themed yarn called They Ate My Tailor and an mcn base by Fresh from the Cauldron.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm
0: using my little Supernatural markers from A Needle Runs Through It and my little uh, Progress Keeper that's a cassette tape. Mm-hmm. I will this is going to be my project that I'm going to bring to the yarn crawl. Nice. So hopefully I'll work on this while I am chatting up people at Sierra Nevada Yarn Crawl. Cool. And I also made some good progress on
1: my sweater modification. Ooh. Yeah, I can see that the yarn is kind of transitioning to the lighter skein now. It's really mm-hmm. pretty. Yeah. The lighter skein,
0: it, it's. I had two skeins of hand-dyed yarn that were a little different from each other. The first one that I used was more minty and less speckled, and the second one is more speckled and less minty, and I kind of faded into that, and I think it looks real good, and I'm just doing the mint part now, and you can see from my progress keeper here that I've got a good couple inches. I kind of turned the corner and started doing the like under bust shaping on this and it's Mm -hmm. pretty good and vanilla e i did you know a couple little uh
1: that looks really nice
0: yeah yeah i've tried it on and i'm i'm really happy with it so far it's super soft it's also i think an mcn but it doesn't have a ball band so i don't know i think so and then i started a new thing oh in my yarn whiskey bag bag in my cute bag which is motivating me to work on the project i cast on my avatar oh your headband headbands Mm -hmm. yes i felt like i should be doing that are your uh needle holders there, little ghosts no they're little tulips oh they look like ghosts they do look like ghosts they're little white tulips and Mm -hmm. they upside down they absolutely look like ghosts but they're from they're the tulip brand i picked these up when i was in spain before the plague nice it was at a really cute little yarn shop that was in the neighborhood that I lived in when I did my study abroad and I like died inside. So yeah, I have only the air nomad colors here. I have my little swirl and then a little kind of yin yang transition, and then just a little uh, geometric motif. Cute. Uh, I'm doing this on size ones. Feels good to do something sock ish, nice. but this is not going to be sock. It's going to be a headband. It's good. I'll just do like one rotation through all the colors and I think it'll be headbandy. If it's a little big, I'm going to put a twist in it to kind of take up some of that space. If it's a little small, I won't. So that's a good option. And um, theoretically, someday I'll publish this. That'll be really good. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I've been making. I was telling Emily before we started recording, I've been doodling a lot lately. So it's been taking up a little of my knitting time and it's fun. I'm having a good time. Yeah. But. I acquired something knittery. Mm-hmm. I've been spending time at my local yarn shop, Knits and Knots Tahoe, and they have some of the knitting barber cable extenders for Ooh. trying on sweaters.
1: Yeah, you'll have yes. to tell me how you like it. I've been eyeballing them.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I also got some little dinosaur stitch markers. Eh. I think some of so I got like doubles of these things for giveaways. So there's gonna be, yeah for giveaway reasons yeah the green ones and it comes with uh two 30 inch cables and one 60 inch cable extender on here i couldn't believe how much the, how well these work they're great they're amazing highly recommend 10 out of 10 maybe i'll need to get some they think there's more in here than i need if you want a 30 inch one i can just give you my extra one
1: no, you perhaps we'll see
0: okay we'll see mm-hmm. yeah knitting barber cable extenders like revolutionary product 10 out of 10 highly recommend
1: well I'm so lazy when I want you to try on a sweater I'm like I don't want to transition this to waste yarn or like mess with the twisty cable extender stuff so So much easier the plastic that or
0: whatever silicone or whatever it's made out of I don't know what it's made out of Uh, it is a little grippy which is like good and bad it's a little bit of a pain to get the stitches back onto the needles but it's also good that they're not going to just slip off into oblivion and get lost Mm -hmm. but really sturdy like i the sweater i tried it on my little sweater modification which is something with negative ease so it was stretched out and it held all the stitches perfectly that's awesome love it
1: what did you get I got some art from Yoshi Yoshitani. I um, requested... One of her palette trios as a birthday present for my mom, which she got me. So this is the palette. And these are little pieces that Yoshi Yoshitani does that are, she uses this palette and she just like makes three pieces with that palette. Mm. And she has a bunch of different ones. There's fairy ones. She has actually, she just did a Studio Ghibli one. That's really cute. But she did these kind of pink and purple little boonad witches And I thought that they would look really cute in my studio.
0: They're really sweet. It's
1: a little print set. Yeah, they're little prints.
0: Very cute. Little square prints with this peachy background. Little witches doing witch stuff. They're really lovely.
1: Yeah, and they're like black and purple and like a magenta pink with peachy. And I think they're really nice. They
0: are lovely. Those are great. Is that the person who did the tarot
1: deck? Yeah, the the folklore tarot deck that I got. It's the same artist. Nice. Yeah. So I, yeah, I she, I looked at her site when I bought my first little batch of art for the studio. And I was like, eh, there's nothing that's like, I feel like it's really the colors I'm going for in here. And then she made this and I was like, well, fine. <laughs> that's exactly the colors I'm going for. <laughs> yep.
0: Speaking of tarot artists... I didn't mess up the transition this time. <laughs> Dramatic pause. This week for a cult corner, we're going to talk about Pamela Coleman
1: Smith, who is the artist behind the Writer Smith Wait deck. Yes, and the reason that deck has three names is because the the writer part of the deck is the publisher of the deck. The wait part is the occultist person who kind of like led the. He had input and commissioned the cards to be made. He wrote the book.
0: Yeah, he wrote, he wrote the little.
1: Yeah, he wrote the little book, and he also like had input. We'll talk about this a little bit more later. But he had input in the major arcana, but he didn't have as much to say about the minor arcana. And then Pamela Coleman Smith is the actual artist who drew all of the art that is on this deck. And this is the deck. Like when you picture tarot in your head, it's that deck. And many, many, many artists indie decks are based off of this. This is kind of like the standard deck at this point. And it was just called the Rider Weight Deck for a really long time. And recently, there has been more of a push to call it the Smith Weight Deck to give Pamela Coleman Smith her due credit. And we thought we'd just talk about her and who she was and a little bit about her life today. She's pretty interesting, she's super interesting. Take it away, Emily. So this deck that we're talking about was released in 1909. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of like when she was alive. It was a hot minute ago, but she was born in 1878 and she died in 1951. So she was born in London, uh, but she had American parents And there is some question about whether or not she was biracial uh, or white. Uh, We don't really know. There's really no way to know because we don't have good documentation for this. But she spent a lot of her childhood in Jamaica. Um, So there's a lot of speculation that her mom was Jamaican. There's also some speculation that her mom was Asian because there are some references to Asian culture and some of her work but she might have just been studying it and she might have just been like whatever call me Asian I don't care because people were like othering her and it was the early 1900s to be fair in the
0: pictures that I, I saw of her it does in some of them it looks like she might have a monolid
1: yeah. eyelid mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. so we don't really know uh, but she was definitely treat there is documentation that she was treated as other in society mm-hmm. there's instances of people referring to her as various races and treating her various ways. She definitely seemed to have run with that. Yes, for sure. And she was really inspired by Jamaica's folklore, and that really affected her work and just her general vibes. She went to New York in 1893 and enrolled in the Pratt Institute. And she only attended for two years and then kind of left to do her own thing. And she was... Super involved uh, in, like, the fiction, like, literary world. She was good friends with William Butler Yeats and uh, even did some illustrations for him. And she also uh, published her own stories, um, the Anansi stories, which was a collection of Jamaican folk tales. And she did an illustrated version of Whittacombe Fair, which is a english folk
0: song she was friends with another famous author one bram stoker Mm -hmm. which is interesting uh my modern rereading of that was just like oh bram stoker you are a hot mess of a human uh which he really seems like bless him and it turns out that pamela coleman smith illustrated his 1911 book the lair of the white worm which is thought to be the worst book ever written And (laughs) let me tell you, I have seen the 1988 cult classic film, and it was one of the worst movies ever made, (laughs) but just so bad that it was enjoyable. I highly recommend that if you enjoy uh, adult recreational drugs, whatever they be like a, a few beers or, or anything else you might like to just get loose and watch this 1988 Disaster of a movie starring a very fresh-faced Hugh Grant, as well as a young Peter Capaldi. Oh, fun. So if you want to see just a Freudian nightmare of a fantasy movie with, like, softcore porn vibes, just, like, Mm -hmm. strap in for this 1988 masterpiece, so... Nice I just wanted to talk about the movie.
1: love it, love
0: it but <laughs> Pam- P- Pamela Coleman Smith's uh, I saw the the two pictures that she illustrated for this novel, and they are very very cool colors, very interesting. I liked them mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. In 1901, she had a weekly salon at her London studio and apartment and she started her own journal publication, The Green Sheath, which she was the editor of. And she also would contribute her own writing and illustration to that. Um, During this time, she also got into miniature theater and would make like really cool sets for little like puppetry performances, basically. I have made my little notes here. I wrote, zine the green chief yeah yeah it was totally that's totally (laughs) like victorian zine (laughs) it
0: was a victorian zine that ran for about a year and i saw that she tried to incorporate as many
1: female authors as she could Mm -hmm. yeah which is Mm -hmm. cool the anansi stories that she published uh got her a lot of recognition and if you read it today she toyed with some like gender conventions and uh some of the women characters in the stories had more agency than a lot of stories featuring female characters at the time would have had and she even made the gender of some of the characters ambiguous Uh, it's exciting but yeah I do feel like a lot
0: of pre-colonial mythology is
1: yeah it's like present in the
0: story Mm -hmm. like traditional norse mythology there are very there's there's a lot of gender fluidity
1: yep in that she also um wrote those stories in jamaican patois which would have been an abnormal decision at the time but is neat Um, does that mean just like a phonetic dialect yes or okay Mm
0: -hmm. thank you for teaching me a new word okay I, the little rabbit hole I found in this, can I talk about the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn? Oh, yeah. And I, are we, are how we much are you talking it?
1: about it? Because I think that's an episode. I, so she was a member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. And that, like, we could talk about that for right. a whole episode. <laughs> and we will talk
0: about some of its key players. Like, uh, spoiler alert, Aleister Crowley popped into this one and he's going to get an episode at some point. Oh,
1: yeah. There's, yeah. There's he's, a whole,
0: <laughs> so many, can Is it time? Can I do the cliff notes of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn? Yeah, you could. you could do a quickie. Yeah, so this was a Victorian secret society. It was founded by three Freemasons, and it's kind of rooted in theosophy, which I guess in itself is not <clears throat> inherently bad. It does take an amalgamation of a lot of Eastern faiths that are like, or, you know, they were orientalized and seen as mysterious. Some people have taken theosophy straight down the blood and soil
1: route so so that's something to keep in mind and if you'd like Um, to hear more about that the current behind the back or i think it was a couple weeks ago behind the bastards arc was all about helena blavatsky which is very like she helped found theosophy so if you want to hear more about that go listen to that and we'll also talk about it less in depth than they do in a future episode
0: yeah but on paper the hermetic order of the golden dawn what accepted women as equals you know hence why pamela coleman smith and several other women were involved in it i took a peek uh, on their wikipedia page they had this symbol which was the rose cross of the golden dawn and it is it was too much it is just too many symbols it's basically it's a, lot. a layout <laughs> Crosses and layout of Catholic churches are the same. That's the point. Like, that's the whole, like, vibe. But it's just basically, like, somebody took a floor plan of a cathedral and put a different spooky symbol in every window. Mm -hmm. It's just in different colors. It is just intense. And they had different chapters all around during Victorian times and into the early 1900s. But back in the day, it was pretty much, I want to say, a lot of these former Freemasons, making their own secret society, secret society so they could cosplay as Egyptians, which was, as we've talked about before, a huge thing for Victorians. They absolutely loved culturally appropriating Egyptian mythology and history. Yep. And they kind of had this like tiered system where there was like your borderline initiates and then your higher up level and then a third tier called the secret chiefs, which was either you know, the rich white dudes who originally founded it and or depending on who you're listening to, some supernatural beings of like esotericness. So like, depending on what you read, like the the innermost circle of most enlightened was, Mm -hmm. you know, was either just dudes who made this up or it was like secret supernatural beings.
1: Nice. And and
0: that's just kind of the rundown of this occultist uh, secret society that Pamela Coleman Smith was in.
1: Yeah. And uh, she was raised Swedenborgian, which is a mystical denomination of Christianity. So it's kind of like Christianity with like some occult plus stuff. So she was like pretty prepped from a young age to be into a metaphysical like occult kind of interests. And she started to interact with the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn in 1901. And A.E. Waite was a grandmaster of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, and he is who commissioned Pamela Coleman-Smith to create the tarot deck. Um, he also had American parents. Oh, I didn't know that. hmm Cool. But yes, this this all happened in England. That's kind of like where this order was based for the most part and he offered a lot of direction for the way that the major arcana should look he had like notes that he gave her about like symbols and stuff to include in major arcana but she is quoted as saying that she was kind of like allowed to just do whatever she wanted with the minor arcana and like added a lot to the symbolism of the minor arcana of tarot and like how we define those cards today which is super i think so yeah and they previously to her deck the minor arcana were much more similar to like playing cards where it was just like the symbols and the numbers but like the fact that there is like a scene on the smith cards was kind of an innovation of hers
0: mm-hmm. yeah but it did definitely take off of like the it it did build upon the centuries of tradition
1: of European
0: yes. playing card tarot decks, specifically mm-hmm. the Marseille's and the Solabusca, which are the two Italian ones.
1: Yep. And some of the people um that are shown on the cards are believed to have been modeled by her friends. Um Ellen Terry's daughter was the Queen of Wands, and the actor who played Sherlock Holmes was the fool. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah. Willem Terrace was good friends with her and uh, his castle that he owned and is now like a museum about his life has some of her original works displayed in it today, which is cool. Neat. Yeah. And Pamela Coleman Smith said that this was a really big project for very little money. Uh, so she was not paid very much for the work that she did in this she was paid but not very much probably because she's a woman and (laughs) she didn't get any credit on the original deck Um, her signature is present in all of the card designs uh, which is good because like we might have lost who Actually created that work if that wasn't there, um, but yeah, she didn't receive any credit in any of the original publication details um, for the cards and the the rights of this deck and who can print it have been passed around a bit because obviously it's over a hundred years old at this point. Uh, it was published in 1909. They've done a good job about crediting her and making sure that her story is included along with A.E. Waite's story in current publications but that wasn't the case for many many years so she was kind of like a ghost author a little bit for a hot minute there yeah
0: yeah that's super interesting I really enjoyed learning about her
1: yeah and actually the uh, art that she made for Brom Snoker's Lair of the White Worm is one of the last contributions she made to art she actually converted to Catholicism uh the year that that book came out and she got an a small inheritance and just like kind of purchased a house in England and like went and withdrew from the art world she did do some work for women's suffrage and did some like work for the red cross but she didn't really do any more professional art things for the rest of her life and she died at age 73 and was basically poor she didn't she didn't really get any lasting uh effects from this really big contribution to uh tarot and art in general because I think that aside from occults like her artwork is so prevalent in those cards and it appears in so many films and movies and stuff that it's kind of crazy that she didn't really get anything in her life for that yeah but at least we can uh we can know who she is today which is good Yes, and then bonus personal life. Uh, there is a lot of speculation that she was not a straight. Uh, she lived for a long time with a woman uh, named Nora Lake, who was her companion and business partner. And lots of people think that they they were doing the the quote unquote roommates thing that you, cue you, divine. yeah, that you do in Victorian times when you're mm-hmm. a lesbian. So. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm but they were roommates but they were roommates yeah and she didn't marry anyone so again probably not a straight hooray mm-hmm. yay pamela coleman smith everybody who does
0: witchy stuff should know more about her and i'm very happy that you suggested this topic so that i could learn about her thanks emily yeah totes great so i guess that's about it for us we can talk about promo We have an advent kit you can buy. Well, Emily has that I contributed to. Why don't you tell them about your advent kit? Are you sick of hearing
1: this yet? Uh, It's the trick. (laughs) (laughs) It's the trick or treat advent calendar. It's a Halloween advent calendar. You get to open a little charm every day to add to your charm bracelet. That is a fun little Halloween-y spooky design. There's an optional bag add-on. As well as an optional sock set add-on. Uh, Lauren dyed up some special spooky yarn for this. So if you want a little Halloween project and a little fun treat to open to get excited about Halloween, then maybe check out the trickery, Trick or Treat Halloween Advent Calendar. And I am packaging them uh, right now. That's what I've been doing this week. I think they're going to ship in the next two days. I think I'm going to get enough on top of it to get them out of here by then. Nice. So.
0: -hmm. You said the yarn is mostly gone, huh? There's only a handful. Yeah, there
1: are not. I I don't know the exact number, but it's like ten. Like there aren't there aren't that many yarns left. If you'd like yarn, really strongly consider purchasing the one with the yarn right now. (laughs) It's pretty good yarn, if I say so myself. It is pretty good yarn, and I'm actually probably going to take one out of inventory because I think I'm just going to keep one of those. (laughs) We'll see. When we're off
0: the air, I think I know what you're (laughs) going (laughs) to pick. Anyway, you have another Halloweeny thing coming up.
1: I do. Thank you for reminding me. Uh, I have a collaboration pin uh, that is a special limited edition Halloween pin uh, that I worked on with Honey Bunch lettering. And it's going to be really cute. I'm not going to show it to you yet, but check out the reveal on the Instagram in the next couple weeks and that will be up for sale in both of our shops in my shop and Honey Bunch Lettering Shop uh, at the beginning of October. More concrete details to come but fun spooky things imminently coming.
0: So if you are looking to connect with us anywhere around the internet, please head on over to fibercoven.com. That will give you links to the show notes for this wonderful podcast you just listened to, as well as it will direct you to my yarns and Emily's patterns and merch, as well as our Patreon, where we have an awesome little discord group, as well as a whole nother podcast where we talk about our business stuff and Mm -hmm. a considerable amount of nerd rants. So if you're interested in any of that, please head on over to fibercoven.com. And until next week, keep making yarn magic. Bye. Bye. Bye.